do anything wrong in this situation. He took a pitch in the back. He got beamed for crying out loud. We used heart attack. Me. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. Credibility in this situation is worse than losing your job. Was it over with the Jeremy's Bob Pro The castration of the major league baseball managers, we know it. Ask. Fun fact of the day, on my 20th birthday, on October 12th, 1999, Wilt Chamberlain passed away. So keep that in your head. Just know that Wilt Chamberlain died on my 20th birthday. Uh, basically throwing some verbal diarrhea from the hip as we're talking about the world of sports today. And I wanted to spend a little time talking about three distinct teams that have gone in different directions for different reasons as it comes to Major League Baseball. And you know about the divide that exists in spite of the Major League Baseball Players Association and the owners coming together on a new collective bargaining agreement. There's animosity that exists between the players and the owners. The owners, um, some of them are a little bit out of touch. Some of them are a little misplaced. Some of them may in, in all honesty, have a difficult time understanding exactly what their role is in order, owning a professional sports team. Now, the players, listen, we understand that the pendulum has swung in the other direction ever since the Peter Seitz decision of 1975, ever since the reserve clause was lifted and players were given rights, all of a sudden free agency started running rampant through the sport and players that were not getting paid a whole lot of money all of a sudden were compensated more than most professions that exist out there. You know, I do what I do, you do what you do. You're not making what a professional baseball player makes. Reason being, the players ended up getting all the power. All of a sudden, the demand for the resources and what the players were able to provide uh, you know, got their salaries up to a point that they were a little out of hand. And I could agree with that. As the biggest proponent of rights of players as they exist in Major League Baseball, I understand they got to a point where they were getting paid probably too much money. Now, the owners at some point have tried to do everything they possibly can to curtail the salaries of your average Major League Baseball player. And this is what's led to the dis gruntlement that exists between between the players and the owners. The fact that collusion existed in the 1980s when owners were literally trying to dictate when and where uh, you know an average player would end up as if they had the right to do that. It's up to the market to determine where the best fits are, assuming that all owners are on the same page and ha- share the same vision and they want to go out there and win. If you're talking about 30 teams in baseball where there's 30 owners that are all on the same page, that all want to compete with each other for supremacy within a sport, then you have the ideal runnings of a professional sports league. We understand that it doesn't exist. You understand that in many cases, owners are out of touch, and there's people that are running professional baseball teams that shouldn't be doing that now. So, as I got that all off my chest, I want to spend a little time talking about three teams that have made three distinct decisions to run their baseball team a certain way for the 2022 season. The first one 
I'm going to start out with the Minnesota Twins. And I'm a little surprised, but pleasantly surprised, that the Twins, who had high expectations going into the 2021 season, didn't reach those results. They were expected to be a playoff team last year, and they weren't. And you've heard me talk about on this program about the fact that the Twins, in a very, very weak division, were expected to do a lot better in 2021 than they actually did. Now, it didn't happen. The expectations of them to get back to the playoffs, which they were um, from the years of 2019, I'm sorry, 2017 to 2020 in the playoffs, three out of four seasons. Now, you know, if we go back and try to think of the last time they won a playoff game, all right, you know, that's a that's a complete other issue. But the expectation of the Twins going into 2021 was much better than that of the 73 and 89 season that ended up happening. Rocco Baldelli, solid major league manager. They had a very good young core and an extremely weak American League Central division. And the Twins underachieved. They got off to a bad April, a bad May, turned into a bad June eventually resulted in a July where they started selling off players, most notably their ace pitcher, Jose Barrios. And you could go back to transcripts of shows past, and you could hear me rant and talk about the Twins, where I felt like they were allowing the market, they were allowing baseball to dictate to them exactly what it is that they were supposed to do. If they were on pace to go 89 and 73, Jose Barrios would still be part of the club. Baseball's got this rule. You're either a buyer or a seller. This comes from the media. Nobody, No owners subscribe to this. No players subscribe to this. Agents, anybody else associated with baseball, this is the broadcast media out there which is telling teams in baseball you're either a buyer or a seller when you're at the end of June going into July. Now, the Twins took the bait. They broke down their team a little bit, but use this offseason to retool themselves to get themselves into a very competitive position. They made the trade with the Yankees to get Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Now they shed a little salary by moving on from Josh Donaldson in the same trade. They also, of course, um, dealt Isaiah Kiner-Falifa, who was a twin for a minute, acquired in a trade that they made with the Texas Rangers for Mitch Garver. Now, because of that, they were able to supplement some salary. They took on salary when they made a trade with the uh, Cincinnati Reds, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, to get Sonny Gray. Um, they made a trade with the Padres to get Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan. Uh, Chris Archer is there. Dylan Bundy is there. So you could tell Joe Smith, the veteran reliever, they ended up adding... This is a team that had a bad season last year, but didn't say, hey, we're going to go full Tug Speedman as simple Jack in regards to the rebuild that that they're going to do. They're not doing that. They're expecting to be competitive this year, and I commend them for it. You know, this is a team that, listen, is it an all-time American League team? Do I expect them to go to the World Series? No, but... They certainly could compete in a division, the American League Central, which you know the Chicago White Sox are getting all the accolades. Um, people like me are jumping on the bandwagon of the Detroit Tigers because they went out there and they got Javier Baez and Eduardo Rodriguez. But I look at the Twins and I'm happy. I'm proud in the, for, for their sake, the fact that they didn't take one bad season and take, and, and take a dump forever 
and tell their fans that we're not going to give a shit for, I don't know, the next two or three years. Team number two that I want to talk about is a team that, for whatever reason, has allowed their willingness to spend and the owner's willingness to take care of his responsibilities as an owner of a professional sports team. And I'm talking about the once proud franchise of the Cincinnati Reds. And he went up to a certain year. And I'm going to try to look it up as I'm talking. You know I'm god-awful when it talks to when it comes to the ability to multitask. But what I want to find is Cincinnati Reds opening day. Opening day history. So the Reds forever had the first game of the season played in their own in in their own uh, ballpark. So baseball opening day, Americana, all that was put together came from the start of baseball season in Cincinnati. So their fans are the most traditionalist amongst baseball fans. You think about the Cincinnati club going back into the 1870s. They have a history. And their owner is basically saying, screw you to the fans. The Reds, who spent a handful of seasons in a manufactured, homemade, man-made rebuild, took a couple seasons. In 2020, where they made it to the playoffs in that wild card series, where they lost two games to nothing. They had Trevor Bauer won the Cy Young in a truncated 2020 season. They were 83 and 79 last year. Yeah, sure, a little bit of a disappointment, but for a team that from the years of 2014 to 2019 had nothing but losing seasons, their fans deserve better. And Joey Votto. One of the greatest players in the history of the Cincinnati Reds organization deserves better. Jonathan India, the National League Rookie of the Year in 2021, deserves better. The Reds went out there and they tried to move everything that wasn't glued down. They traded Sonny Gray to the before-mentioned Minnesota Twins. They moved Jesse Winker and Eusenio Suarez to the Seattle Mariners. And basically the only players that they have there or play are players that, I don't know, maybe make it a little too much money with the Cincinnati Reds for another team to want anything to do with. They obviously had Nick Castellanos on a long-term contract. He opted out. They weren't in the market for them. And I have a little bit of a problem with the Cincinnati Reds and the way they're run. The owner is in a position where he may want to question whether or not he wants to be associated with a baseball team at all. Yes, it's it's nice to have the ability to own a baseball team. It's, you know, there's very few percentage of people out there have the billions of dollars it would take to run a professional baseball team. But because of that, because there's so few billionaires, you're getting people that are associated with baseball to want to run it as a business. And it's not a business. Let's be serious. Baseball, from an ownership perspective, should not be run as a business. It's entertainment. It's fun. 
those things can be pushed aside. The reality is, why do you have a professional baseball team? Is it for the entertainment value? Is it for the fans? In the end, it really is about winning and having a winning product. The owner of the Cincinnati Reds does not share that same passion. That whether it's fans, whether it's the players, whether it's everybody else that's constituted on that roster and in that organization, the goal in the end is to win. And the Cincinnati Reds could care less about winning this year. They'll try to sell you on Hunter Green, who I think is going to be a really good pitcher. Jonathan India is still there. you got the veteran Joey Votto, who has got to be banging his head against the wall. After two years of finally getting some solid teammates and players that he feels like he could win with, all of a sudden those players aren't there. Mike Moustakis on a bad contract is stuck there, hoping to maybe play himself to another team. Tommy Pham was brought in. Brandon Drury, who I liked how he performed for the Mets last year, may get a little bit of a chance to play. But once again, talking about the Central Division, this time in the National League, it's a division that you could be competitive in. The Pirates are going to be bad. Their rebuild might take a little bit longer. You might They might see some of the fruits of their rebuild within the next couple years. you got the Cardinals, who you know are going to be good, but they could be beat. The Brewers, who are expected to win that division. But because of that, everybody's going to be out there shooting for them. And then the Cubs. The Cubs had a little bit of a rip down last year with a little bit of retooling with the hope that they could be competitive this year. If you're the Cincinnati Reds, you're not in a spot where you're like, oh man, everybody else is in great shape. This isn't the American League East. The Reds aren't sitting here competing against the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the uh, Boston Red Sox and the Tampa Bay Rays. They can go out there and win 80, 85, 90 games if they the owner gave a shit. The owner doesn't. And it's a shame that the, the amount that an owner cares could take a team that could be competitive. The Reds have not won a World Series since 1990. You know they've only won, what, one, two, three, four, five in the history of their franchise. Uh, I'm sure they'd like to get back to that promised land. I'm sure the fans would like to see the Reds get back to prominence and be a good baseball team. You know, you're not going to see the big red machine this year. And the person I'm going to blame the most is the owner. So the third team I wanted to talk about is a is an interesting one because when it came to the 2021 season, my opinion about the Arizona Diamondbacks was that they could be okay. But in the end, you know, I thought the Giants would be better. Like I said, I keep, you know, pumping by a chest saying that, hey, I had the Giants being good, but not as good as they were last year. I thought the Giants could compete for a playoff spot last year. I didn't have them winning 100, you know, seven games. But I also didn't have the Arizona Diamondbacks losing 110 last year. And similar to the way you talk about the Minnesota Twins, the Twins had high expectations. They were expected to be a playoff team. They ended up not getting there. 73-89, and 89, they shut some things down, but they retooled and got themselves ready for this season. The Arizona Diamondbacks coming into the 2021 season had a little more talent than they have right now. And this is going to be the third example of what I'm showing. Hey, a team coming off having a bad season, deciding to retool and compete this year. The Reds, a team that had a respectable season. I'm not going to say good season. 83 wins is good, but something you could build on over the course of the next season. And they said, the hell with it. We don't care. 
we're, we're not going to play competitive baseball in 2022. So then you got the Arizona Diamondbacks, who had some talent last year. Cattell Marte, who's their best player right now, was their best player last year. A little more was expected out of Christian Walker. Uh, David Peralta is a steady player. He's going to play in 150 games, hitting around 260, driving some runs, probably not hit a whole lot of home runs. As Drupal Cabrera was on the roster, uh, yeah, they got Dalton Varsho, who's a catcher turned first baseman outfielder. They were in a position where they could compete. Their pitching was good, I thought. Merrill Kelly, Mad Bomb, Zach Gallen, Luke Weaver. I thought in a, in a division where pitching was very important, they had enough stability where they could compete with the teams in that division. I didn't have them making the playoffs. I didn't have them going anywhere near 500. And it seems once Bob Brenly, you know, went a little off color, and I'm not going to say he went out there and went full-blown racist, but he, he was insensitive to use the fact that Marcus Stroman was wearing a do-rag as a way to degrade him as a person. He'll never be Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver would ever wear a do-rag. That's what he implied. And in a day and age today, that's wrong. That's considered racial undertone. And you know what? He took some time off. And the Diamondbacks lost 17 games in a row after that. That seemed to be the end of their season. Now, does one have anything to do with the other? No. I think um, after a while, you get a losing mentality. All of a sudden, the trading deadline comes. The Diamondbacks start dealing everything away. Leads into an offseason where they're not really looking to upgrade. Uh, they somehow talked Cattell Marte into signing a long-term extension there. Listen, Arizona, I'm sure, is probably a pretty cool place to play. You know, weather's good. You know, you you don't have to worry about the cold that much. Probably not a bad place to live. You know, the percentage of current and former Major League Baseball players that reside in, in the state of Arizona, certainly in the Scotland, Phoenix area. That's neither here nor there. But looking at the Diamondbacks, their expectations for this year are a lot worse than they were for last year. The Twins, I think they could, they could compete. They could get to 500. The Reds, even as bad as they are, should be a little better than the Diamondbacks this year. Now, from an ownership perspective, does it work for, let's say, a Ken Kendrick who says, oh, look, you don't have to spend them that much money in payroll. It's all going to come down to this one point that I want to make, and I think this is, very, this is valuable enough to think about. Since when did payroll get so intertwined with an operation of a baseball team. And you're going to say, John, well, where are, you, where are you really going with this? Well, I would think that an owner would understand, an owner of any sports team would understand that there's a certain amount of money that has to be allocated towards payroll on a year-in and year-out basis. you got to pay the players to play. Likely, the better the players are, the more money they're going to get paid. The more money you pay a player... Odds are the more you could expect out of them. And that's where you have a front office. That's where you have scouts. That's where you have people that make the right decisions to bring in the appropriate players. But all of a sudden, somewhere in Major League Baseball history, I don't know if it's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago, you could go back, like I said, to the Peter Seitz decision of 1975. Was there a turning point? where all of a sudden paying a player in baseball became a burden to a Major League Baseball owner. Because I, I think they're one in the same. You have to understand, all right, 
there is no salary cap, but there's going to be a certain amount of money that has to be allocated to pay your players. Now, there could be a debate over what that line is. Is it $200 million? Is it $150 million? Is it $100 million? Obviously, the fact that no salary cap exists in baseball, you know, it could be as low as $30 million or $20 million. If you want to have all your players make minimum salaries and not make any sort of commitment beyond this year to them, then yeah, you could have it. You could have a very, very low payroll if you wanted Major League Baseball, and that's what I've said all along. Why maybe it might be in everybody's best interest, the players included, if Major League Baseball would institute a salary cap, a salary cap in conjunction with a salary floor. So if you looked at it and and said, why would baseball players want to curtail their own salaries? At some point, as you watch. So many players are going to get more money. And and I've said this happens in the NFL. The National Football League has an issue with this because the salary cap isn't raising at the rate of what the top players are making. You heard me talk about Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers, in the end, what he wanted to, he wanted to be the highest paid quarterback in National Football League history. He got that. And because of that, the Packers couldn't pay Devontae Adams. If you have all the best players on your team, let's say you're Tampa Bay and you're talking about the stars that you had when you won the Super Bowl two years ago. If you're the Rams of last year and you're talking about the great players that helped you win a Super Bowl this past year, they all want to be the highest paid players in the league, but the salary cap isn't raising at the rate of what the top players at each position are making. That becomes a major problem. That's why baseball, in honesty, has it okay. Yes, the owners are getting pissed because at some point they won't want to have a payroll that goes $200 million or you know $150 million in a lot of cases. Eventually, that's what owners are looking at. They, they're looking at probably the worst end of it, and they're trying to nip it in the bud before it gets to that level. And you're watching what's going on in Cincinnati, and I think that's just a terrible example to send to your fans. Arizona has a little bit more of an excuse. They weren't anywhere near as good as they thought they'd be last year. I don't think they were expected to be a playoff team, but they played some bad baseball. They lost 110 games. They had an offseason of a team that lost 110 games. It's not like they made a run to try to compete with the likes of the Dodgers and the Padres and the Giants and even the Rockies. I think they got four of the teams in their division that are all better than them right now. So the whole point of this, are owners out of touch with the very job and responsibility that they have? And that's something that's frustrated me as a fan, a fan of baseball, the sport that I love more than any other sport. And I said, listen, baseball's failures have allowed football to grow on me. Baseball's failures have allowed basketball to grow on me. I'm following those sports more than I ever did before because there's so many things about baseball that are breaking my heart if not pissing me off. So I wanted to touch a little bit about the basketball playoffs. Of course, you had the play-in tournament pretty much uh, finishing itself up. The Atlanta Hawks beating the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Cavs, who had a very good season, doubled their win total from a year ago. And I think it was a, a, a great job by, by the Hawks getting themselves into the playoffs. The Cavs, listen, doubling the amount of wins that they had a year ago, which I thought was which, which I thought was solid. I thought it was a great job by them, but a season that 
I don't know. They'll be proud of the season that they had. But I think they're going to say, hey, a lot of success they had. Uh, you know, how did, how, did he, how did we end up missing the playoffs? And then the New Orleans Pelicans eliminating the Los Angeles Clippers. Well, here's the problem with the Clippers. The, the two best players on that team that they built their team around ain't around and ain't playing. And I'm not going to knock Kawhi Leonard. I'm not going to say that he's he's not hurt. Uh, Paul George got injured during the season. He was unable to make it back. And this way, a team like New Orleans, who made the trade to get C.J. McCollum, who's got Brandon Ingram, they, they get a chance to play in the playoffs. Now listen, the eighth seed is the eighth seed. The eighth seed is likely to get run out of town by the, the top seed in the conference. The Phoenix Suns should have no problem beating the New Orleans Pelicans in four or five games. The Miami Heat, your question was made yesterday. I heard the guys on ESPN talk about it. Uh, what team with the within the Cavaliers and the Hawks had the best chance of giving the Heat a tough series? It's going to be hard to do that because, you know what, we spend all year talking about in basketball, the, the top teams, and a lot of times the top teams slide down and aren't necessarily seeded number one. And probably the team that gets least respected out of anybody is the team that finishes with the best record in their conference. This year, it's the Miami Heat. You know, the, the Heat have a very deep team. They have a very balanced roster. They have a star player in, a, in, in Jimmy Butler. I think they're well coached. They're well run. But they don't have that flash that, let's say, the Greek freak brings to the table with the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they don't have a Joel Embiid. They don't have a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving or a James Harden, that polarizing type of player. Jason Tatum is, a, is, is amongst that uh, category. Jimmy Butler is a good player. He's probably on his pace or on pace to become a Hall of Famer. But he doesn't bring that, oh man, the Heat are playing. This is not like it's Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. It's not like it, it's uh, you know you know back in the day with Alonzo Mourning and, and the like. It's it's a good Miami team, a team that made the NBA Finals a couple years ago when they lost to the Lakers in a bubble. And I think this is a team that is probably getting the least amount of respect of anybody in the Eastern Conference, a deeper Eastern Conference, an Eastern Conference that's gone from by the way a couple years ago where we used to make fun of it. We used to talk about how great the West was and how weak the East is. But the the pendulum has kind of swung in the direction of the Eastern Conference. You know, I, I like Philadelphia. I think James Harden is going to be very important. A, a player that, for years, has not shown the ability to come up big in a postseason. If he could have a great postseason and be that Robin to Joel Embiid that you know Batman deserves. I think, I think the 76ers are a team that I'd like to see take that step this year. Obviously, it's going to have to go through Milwaukee. Obviously, the Bucks and a Greek freak. You know, you got Drew Holiday there. You got Chris Middleton, who is probably the most underrated second star of any team in the entire NBA. He could go out there and drop 40 any game, and nobody's going to even pay attention to it. So, obviously, the Bucks are the team to beat until they get beat. But my question, can Atlanta give Miami anything? This is a team that I think is pretty limited in regards to the dimensions they have. Trey Young's got a chance to win a game all by himself. And I think Trey Young could be good for a, a win or two. You know, if the 
Miami Heat wins a series in six games, Trey Young could be the reason why the Atlanta Hawks won two games. Now, the Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that can be a little overrated. I think we could go back to Ghost of Christmas Past and say, hey, just because you were there last year doesn't automatically mean that you're going to make it back or it's going to be that easy or the potential of you being able to repeat what you did last year is existent. Now, the Boston Celtics, another team that I don't think is getting a lot of credit this year. Jason Tatum is as good as any star player on any NBA team. They got some depth there. Of course, you know, Jalen Brown, you look at some of the other players that are on that roster. They earned the number three seed or the number two seed. I apologize. But, you know, you got the Heat and you got the Celtics and everybody's talking about the teams that are below them, whether it's Milwaukee, whether it's the Brooklyn Nets, who a lot of people are loving as a team with Kyrie and Kevin Durant healthy and eligible to play. And is Ben Simmons going to make his debut in the playoffs? I think it's I think that's a crazy proposition. I don't I think and and it's funny. I've thought about this for a little while and this is going to be my my closing point of the show today. And I I've I've gone after Ben Simmons. I've given Ben Simmons a hard time. Um and it's 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 nothing, you know, if it's a matter of him serious having serious mental health issues, you know, I would st- stop it short to knock a person with mental health issues. But the turning point in Ben Simmons' life let alone basketball career, was his refusal to drive the ball to the basket and just put the ball in the basket when he had an easy shot. Joel Embiid said that was the reason they lost the game when he was asked. He was candid. Ben Simmons apparently didn't like that. He went into full shutdown mode. And like I said, if it's a serious mental health thing, I'm all for supporting the guy. But he shut down. He shut down to a point where he decided he didn't want to play in Philadelphia anymore. Now, listen, it's hard to train and get yourself back into shape and play. Maybe the trade to the Nets all of a sudden you know, wakes him up and says, hey, I can't wait to go out there on the court and play basketball. And, you know, it's not as easy to just turn it on. Even in your, if you're in great shape, little injuries happen here and there. So he's trying to battle, get himself in an appropriate position. I'm convinced that he wants to play now. I do believe that. I think that it's not it's not a matter of him saying, man, you know, let me just sit out the rest of the season. Question is, how much of an impact do you expect him to have if he is back on the court? If he plays in game four, as this uh, report is coming out there saying that, you know, from a physical standpoint, he's practicing. Looks like coach is going to give the okay. If everything continues to go right, maybe he'll be on the court for game four. Listen, that's a very important player for the Nets. Somebody that's going to play some defense. You know, Kyrie Irving ain't playing any defense. Kevin Durant will, will only play defense in specific moments where he, he really has to. You know, and you, and you think of Ben Simmons and Andre Drummond and Seth Curry. And if Ben Simmons can be on the court and just play a little bit of defense, like I said, he doesn't even have to start for them. I think the Nets could very well win the James Harden trade. We'll be back with you, I, I guess, on Wednesday. Another edition of the Passball Show. Brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey. By Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.
My apartment smells of rich mahogany. Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the friggin' World Series? I was gonna listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. Now they come out as the biggest Major League Baseball manager apologist. It'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. Not even supposed to be here today. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. I'm a dude playing the dude disguises another dude. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer. And what side of the spectrum they're on? Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and a ball got inside and hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of the team that was batting and a ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. You damn well right. Better make him the manager over the next series of years. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion. <laughs>